I want to I jump right into Genesis 15. So let's go ahead and turn there real quick. Genesis 15. And um, we'll start right in verse 1. We're going to get into God's covenant with Abram. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus, his servant. And Abram said, You have given me no children so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So here God had shared in the call of Abraham, back we studied in Genesis 12. He said, go to a land I'm going to give you and your descendants, and I'm going to bless you, make your name great. I'm going to, you're going to be a blessing to all the earth. I'm going to bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you, and I'm going to give you all of this land. So he has a call on his life. And there's also an inheritance, a land showing the victory to all his descendants. But now he's walking with God and he still doesn't have a son yet. So now he says, so God, how how can this be? And God confirms what, what he said in Genesis 12. He confirms it again. And he said it in such a way there, Abraham believed. It said he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now... This is one of uh, our favorite verses we like to share, and we'll be sharing this at pastor conferences coming up in Malawi next month in three different cities of that nation. But flip with me quickly to Romans 4, where the Apostle Paul is quoting this very verse from 15.6 in Genesis. Romans chapter 4 and uh, verse 1, we'll put that... What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? So Paul takes him all the way back. The Jews were listening. He's talking about this new covenant of grace. What did Abraham believe about it? So if he could show them that even the father of our faith, Abraham, believed it way back then, you should also. And what matter they were discussing? They were discussing Uh, Romans 3.28, it says, the just shall live by faith. We are righteous by our faith and not by our works. So he's saying, even Abraham understood this idea of grace in the new covenant that was coming way back then by faith. All right. And then he goes on to say, so, you know, if a man could work, If you could work for the blessing of God or work for your salvation or work for your healing or work for the blessing for your children or whatever, if you could work for it, then it's no longer grace, but it's something you have earned. 
It's like we try to do these different things and twist God's arm. Look, God, how I fasted. Look how I prayed. Look what I've done. Now will you save my son? Look of what I've done. Now will you bless me? Look at what I've all done. Now will you heal me? It's like we're saying, God, I've done these works. Now you owe me. And it does not work like that. God wants to bless you and save you and heal you and deliver you and touch your children and everything else. Not because you're good. He wants to do it because he's good. Amen. So God is teaching this with the new covenant. It wasn't that way with the old covenant, but already he's showing this. He's foreshadowing what's to come because he's the same yesterday, today and forever. It just took a while for us to get to understand the message of our need. So he's showing this. And it's so Abraham believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. I preach and teach that word credited, looking it up, it's the word imputed or imparted. It's like an accountant opening the books. And here you have all these debts on one side. And then when you're making payments and make an effort to pay your house note or pay this, you have credits on this side. Well, it says Abraham believed God and it was credited or imputed into his account in the book of life as righteousness. So on this side, all of the debts we owe from our sin are torn out of the book and put away forever. And we, by our faith, have been imputed into the accounting book of life. Hallelujah. We've been imputed righteousness. It comes to us. How? By our faith in the word of God, who is Jesus. See, when God spoke to Abraham and said, leave your country and I'm going to bless you. And Abraham went and he did. But then he said, Lord, how are you going to bless my descendants? I don't even have one. He said, look, I'll tell you again. You're going to have one. It's going to be supernatural because the covenant I'm imparting right now is a spiritual supernatural covenant. So I'm going to do it for you physically in the supernatural. You are going to have a son even in your old age. It has to be miraculous because the things I'm talking about is supernatural. Praise the Lord. And then it says, and Abraham believed him. When Abraham believed the word of God, he was believing in Jesus because Jesus is the word. So the old covenant saints got saved the same way the new covenant saints do by believing in Christ, who's the living word. Amen? So, so he believed, and it was credited or imparted into him as righteousness. Praise the Lord. Let's go on a little bit. Genesis 15, um, 7. He said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land, to take possession of it. But Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? I see it. I believe you. Now, Lord, I need to know this. I need to know. How can I know? I believe in and I've been walking by faith. And you tell me I'm going to have a son. And now this land I've been walking, it belongs to all these other tribes. It's not mine yet. How, am I, how can I know it? How can you confirm this with me? Praise the Lord. So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram. And each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abraham brought all these to him and cut them in two and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. The birds of prey came down try on the, on the carcasses. Abraham drove them away. So he said, how can I know? How can you confirm your promise to me? And God said, okay, we'll cut a covenant. 
as many ancient tribes did in understanding the blood covenant and what it was. Bring these animals and we're going to cut a covenant so you can understand that I'm making a, a blood covenant with you and you can be assured that I'm going to keep my promise because I'm cutting this covenant with you. So you want to know how can you be assured? Well, here's how I'm going to cut a covenant with you. Are you with me? So he brings these animals and he cuts them in half. And he lays one half on one side and one half on the other. And it's signifying when they cut the covenant, when people groups or tribes, ancient would cut a covenant together. They're saying, we're going to make a covenant with you in our future generations and your future generations. And we're going to keep this covenant. And if we don't keep this covenant, either party, let us become like these dead, broken animals, spill our blood. Okay. So that's what, you know, cutting the covenant means. That actually, that word covenant in Hebrew actually means to cut. Okay, so, so God is going to perform this with him to assure him, because Abraham, how can I know? Here's how you're going to know. I'm going to cut this covenant with you, and you can be assured, and you can count on it. Praise the Lord. As the sun was setting, verse 12, praise the Lord. Abraham fell, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick, dark, dreadful darkness came over him. Now, God's showing him. He's prophesying to him. I'm cutting this covenant with you, but I'm also going to show you, prophesy to you what's going to happen in future generations. And it came over him as a thick darkness, and he saw, know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years. But I will punish that nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried in a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants uh, will come back here, come back to that land, come back to the land promised to him, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. We speak in the sin of the Emirates. Many theologians feel like is just representing all the tribes of that land, that were future, their, even their future sins of not letting Israel or fighting against Israel, is their sin is going to rise to its full measure and then God is going to judge them for that sin. But what I want to talk to you right now is a deeper revelation and understanding of the blood covenant, what's about to happen. Okay? I want you to know, first of all, that Abraham went into a deep sleep. So here God's going to make a covenant and he's going to show it and he's going to reveal it and he's going to teach us what it means. And, you know, all the way up till Jesus lifting that cup and saying, here's the blood of the new covenant, which goes all the way back to this in Genesis 15. Okay. And God is saying, look, Abraham, as far as your part of the covenant, I'm going to put you to sleep and I'm going to fulfill both parts of the covenant. So it would be, I'm uh, just telling you this story, E.W. Kenyon writes a book, The Blood Covenant. Praise God for this man who was born in 1948, the year Israel becomes, I mean, in, uh, he died in 1948, the year Israel becomes a nation. But praise God, he was born in 1867, right at the time of the close of the Civil War. And he writes a book, The Blood Covenant, which goes over everything we're preaching, teaching about the Lord's grace. This man had a full understanding of it way back then. Okay, so the truth of the new covenant that's going around the world today, it's not a new teaching. Paul taught it and taught it well way back then. It's just so many have missed out on the fullness of what we understand in the new covenant. And it's going to continue to unfold in your hearts and minds. Praise God. And some of it's going to be revealed to you in a deeper way right now. 
How many of you have your spirits ready to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying? So, E.W. Kenyon writes this book, and he goes and researches, and he understands about Dr. David Livingstone, who, you know, um, he, he went down into Africa on a mission trip, and he's, you know, going through different tribes and areas that we have gone to and seen. Matter of fact, we go to Livingstone, Zambia, and there by Victoria Falls, with Dr. Livingstone named it after Queen Victoria, there's a big statue of David Livingstone, and there's all these different tribes around there who knew him, and many of them, praise the Lord, have become Christians, and a lot of the work we're doing in Africa is built upon those that have gone before us, him and others, Amen. So he went and he would go through these tribes and then, you know, they thought he was dead. They hadn't heard from him in a while. And there was a newspaper guy named Stanley who they sent to say, hey, go, go get the story on this guy. He was the only one willing to round up a crew of, and go into deepest dark Africa and try to find Livingstone. And maybe you've seen it in the movies. Maybe you've heard the famous line when Stanley finally comes across him and says, Dr. Livingstone, I presume, you know. And uh, that's a famous line in the movies and famous. But here, Dr. Stanley is going, and it is said that Stanley had trouble. He had some sickness. He had some problems as he's going. He's got a caravan with him of people that are helping him, and he's going through equatorial Africa in the same lands we travel now as well. And as he's going through there, he's sick. He's having trouble. There's some violent tribes away from him. And one of his guides says, look, why don't you cut the covenant with them? And he says, what do you mean, cut the covenant with them? He said, if you cut the covenant, and he wouldn't do it at first. He didn't fully understand, and things were looking bad as the tribe was coming against him, and the town was coming against him, and they were stealing things and wondering. And the, and the guide said again, why don't you cut the covenant with them? And Stanley had this um, new white goat that he was, the only thing about he could eat at the time was this goat's milk. And that chieftain of the tribe that they were going to cut the covenant with, he was willing, but she had to exchange gifts, and the chief wanted that white goat, you know, and Stanley was very concerned that he was drawing his health from this, but the, the guy kept encouraging, hey, you need to do this so we won't have so much trouble trying to go through Africa, and so he said, okay, so they exchanged gifts, he was willing, so he gave the goat to the chieftain, and the chieftain gave him a big seven-foot spear that was bound with copper wire at the head of it. And he's like, man, maybe I got burned by this. You know, I got this big spear, and he got my life-giving goat, you know. And then they cut the covenant. They sent a representative for each one, Stanley, one of his men, and the tribal chieftain, one of his men. And they cut their arms, and they dripped their blood into a cup of wine, and then... One would drink the first part, and what he's saying is, now that everything we have, all of Stanley's group and everything they are and everything they have, we're now become one with your tribe. We'll never steal from you. We'll never hurt you. If you have a war, we'll fight with you. We are one together. We're making this covenant with you. It's for life. And then the chieftain 
um, person drank it all too and say, now, uh, Mr. Stanley and your group, we're going to escort you, escort you through these woods. We're going to make sure no other tribes bother you. We're going to be with you. You have access to all of our knowledge. You have access to all of our power. You have access to all of our authority around here, and we're going to be one with you. And they drank it together, and then they used to rub some gunpowder in their wound, and now it was a mark showing that, hey, I am a covenant person. You know, and so they did this together. And then as uh, they plant, they would plant a tree. They would plant a, a life giving, you know, um, long standing tree that would represent the covenant forever. Just as um, when, when Abraham and Isaac and Jacob would make covenants with people, if they weren't trees in the air, they would pile up stones and mark the covenant. Hey, we have a covenant right here. And this is going to be an everlasting symbol of that covenant. And then as Stanley, as they began to go forward in their pursuit of trying to find Dr. David Livingstone, they would come into another tribe and be concerned if they would be attacked. And when that, well, a scout from that tribe would see the spear, they would pretty much just bow in submission to Stanley, saying, we recognize that spear and we recognize whose authority that you were with. And they let them alone, and they blessed them, and they helped them get through. And from tribe after tribe, wherever he carried that spear, he had the authority of that chieftain who was a chief over the whole region. Amen? And so, in, in cutting the covenant, one to understand in some of the history of it makes us to understand and see what God was doing with Abraham. He's saying, look, I'm going to cut this covenant with you. And you know, we're going to be one together. We're going to join our posterity, our future generations, mine and yours, together as one. As a matter of fact, later on in Genesis 17, it shows this is going to be the sign of the covenant. All of your children and children's children, every male child on the eighth day, I want you to circumcise and there's going to be some shed blood and this is going to be a sign that your people and descendants are keeping the covenant and they have entered into the covenant. Amen? So it was a covenant he was making, not just him, but he's making a covenant for his children and his children's children. Are you with me? And they all agree and enter that sign of that covenant. So as they did this, though, the peculiar thing is, Abraham was asleep. Verse 17 of chapter 15. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot and a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. Folks, picture this on the aisle. The blood of those animals laying in a bloody path, laying open, half here and half there, and this smoking fire pot and a blazing torch passes through. So Abraham, representing himself and all his descendants, didn't even pass through. But yet, the smoking fire pot and the blazing torch is a symbol of God himself making the covenant with himself. Making the covenant with his word. Making the covenant with Jesus Christ. So Abraham, by believing God, entered the covenant with God himself because God knowing that Abraham and his descendants couldn't really keep their end of the bargain. They couldn't keep the covenant. So God's saying, I'm going to pass through it and I'm going to keep my end of the bargain and I'm going to keep your end of the bargain. 
God is saying, I'm making a covenant with myself. I'm making a covenant and God will never break his covenant. And he wanted to be so faithful to us that he was going to keep our end of the deal too. Now, praise the Lord. Picture this. Years later, as the covenant, covenant that was physically done in Genesis 15, now the spiritual implication of it comes apart when Jesus Christ comes in the form of a man, and now Jesus Christ is born. He's born of the Father, hallelujah. He's not born of the first Adam, but He is the last Adam. He's born of God. He's the Word of God. And He becomes one of us and had to become one of us because now this man, Jesus, fulfills and keeps all the righteous requirements of the law of the covenant which you and I could not do are you with me we couldn't keep our end of the of the covenant and God knew that he makes the covenant with himself and he sends his son to fulfill all the righteous requirements of the law of the covenant, which comes into effect 400 years later after the covenant was made. It's a covenant with Abraham, a covenant with mankind. But praise God, later comes the law of the covenant of how the covenant people should live in this earth with each other and with God. And none of us could fulfill it because the sin nature of Adam was within us. And no matter how hard you try to be religious, no matter how hard you try to work it out, no matter how hard we try to go through the motions of doing it our way, we can't make it, we can't get right enough, we can't go through enough rehabs, we can't fix ourselves, we can't do nothing but lay it on the line and say, Lord God, I can't keep the covenant. Thank you for sending Jesus who kept it for me. By faith in what he did, I'm entering into your covenant. Hallelujah. What a beautiful picture and story he physically happened for us to look back and read and study together in Genesis this month, these two months with our church together to go back over the covenant and see it for yourself more clearly. So he cuts the covenant with himself and Jesus fulfills it. Now let's go a step further. The covenant's there. The bloody animals are on both sides. And if we keep the covenant, praise the Lord, then all the blessings of the stronger tribe, two tribes making a covenant, all the blessings and authority of the stronger one, God, comes to us and available to us as long as we end right standing in the covenant. If we keep the covenant, we have his authority, we have his power, we have his friendship. We can walk with him and talk with him and we become one with him by keeping his covenant. And then um, Jesus comes. We couldn't keep it, so he keeps it for us. But on the other side, if we don't obey the covenant, if we break the law of the covenant, if we lie, ste steal, cheat, commit adultery, all whatever comes of the covenant break do not put God first do not recognize that everything is his holding back what we think is ours when it all belongs to him not understanding the fullness of the covenant and we don't then we deserve to die be separated from God's covenant be in hell forever and become like those dead animals just bloody and laid down well Jesus comes and keeps the covenant for us and keeps our part of the bargain. And then you know what he does? 
He keeps the part of the bargain that we broke. And instead of us being ripped open and laid out, you know, Jesus Christ Himself goes, and He who knew no sin, He becomes our sin. And the other side of the covenant falls on Christ as He's torn and whipped and beaten and goes to the cross in your place. Do you see what I'm saying here? In that blood covenant He's making with Abraham, God fulfills our part in doing the right things with Jesus, and He fulfills the punishment part also with Jesus. He fulfills both sides of the covenant. Now we, praise the Lord, after hearing Jesus preached and believing that He is the Son of God and believing that He walked the earth a sinless life and then coming to the understanding that we deserve to die and not to have a relationship with the Creator, okay? And we understand this and we recognize this, but we see and hear it preached and believe that Jesus died in our place for our sin and then believe He rose above it and rose from the grave. When we believe in Him, we can enter into that covenant that God made with Abraham and making with Jesus and making with us. We enter into that covenant by the blood of Jesus. Are you with me? So Jesus shed His blood and all of us who believe in Him, and we say, Lord Jesus, this is the cup of the new covenant in Your blood. I'm going to partake of it. Lord, forgive me for my failing. Forgive me for breaking the covenant. But Lord Jesus, I recognize You kept it on my behalf, and then You died for me on my behalf. Lord Jesus, I'm entering into it now. I believe in what you've done. I receive your blood that cleanses me from all my sin. And now I rise from the dead, a new creation in Christ Jesus. And now I'm a part of the everlasting covenant that God made with Abraham, made with you, and is now making with me. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? And just like Stanley could take that chief spear who was the head chief over the whole region and whatever other tribe he came to, he just began to hold up that spear he thought was worthless. Let me tell you something, praise God. In this covenant, God didn't give us a spear, but praise God, He gave us a sword. And He gave us the sword of the Word of the living God and wherever I go, I can take this sword and speak the name of the word of the living God and every demonic power and every enemy must flee. And I walk in covenant with the one who created heaven and earth. I'm his and he's mine. And we're together on this earth in his mission, in his kingdom. And I have his sword. Carry your sword with you. Look through it, read it, quote it, speak it. Sharpen it. We come to Sunday school together and we speak it to each other and we sharpen the sword and we use it. You know how you get skilled at being a swordsman? By practice and using it. I speak his word. A situation will arise in my life, an attack from the enemy. And you know what I do? I practice using my sword. I pull it out and I speak it. Hallelujah. 
And you get better and better at yielding the sword because you start to know it more and more. And you've got the sword of the living God. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Do you know when you're a covenant people of the living God, as Israel was in the natural in the Old Testament, we are the the people of God in the spiritual now, even more so than when they were then. We have the truth of what it all means, and they just had a shadow. But do you know in that shadow, because they were a covenant people, no plague shall come upon you. Ten plagues of Egypt wreaking havoc in the leg, and none of it touched the people of God because they're a covenant people, and that's part of the agreement of the terms of the covenant. Nothing happening in the world shall be a plague to you. You're going to be mine. I'm going to be your healer. I'm going to be your protector. Hallelujah. Praise God, there might be a plague going around in China, spreading around. Have no fear. In the name of Jesus, speak the word, pull out your sword, and say, no weapon formed against me. As for me and my house, we belong to the Lord. We're a covenant people. It has no authority over you. But you got to believe it and speak it. See, none of these blessings could come upon them if you don't know it and to receive it and believe it and walk in it. You have access to the fullness of the covenant. Man... Do you know you're being transformed into the image of Christ and the church is going to grow in the knowledge and fullness of him and fill with the glory, but we're not waiting for God. Lord God, when are you going to fill us with more glory? Lord, when are you going to heal us all? Lord, when are you going to give us more power? No, no, no. He's already done it. You access it by hearing this truth right now and by today believing it. You start meditating on it and you start stepping out in it and that's how the church is going to grow in that, by hearing the word. Not by waiting for God. Lord, do something great before the end time comes. He already did 2,000 years ago. We've entered the end times. And how the church is going to go stronger and brighter is by people preaching the truth of the word and you studying it and you learning what it means and accessing what's already available to you for the sword has already been given. But if you don't know it, you can't use it. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing the word, that's why I encourage you, all of you, fresh start folks, don't go back to a church that's not preaching the truth of new covenant grace and putting you under the bondage of old covenant law. Get out of there. It's time to move on. And you can only move on by the fullness of his truth. Praise the Lord. Wow. Jesus fulfilled all righteous requirements of the law. Then he fulfilled the curse of the law, and it's done. If Jesus fulfilled the curse of the law, and he said to Telestai, it is finished, then there's no more curse. How could the Lord punish you by putting sickness on your child or causing you to lose your job or do this or do that because you've done something wrong when he's already punished Christ for the whole world. It's finished. Now, if you're choosing to do things not in line up with the covenant and go over here, you're opening yourself up for Satan to rip you up. So don't, don't blame God. You're choosing to walk out here where you can get cut up. But if you're a covenant people with God, hey, hallelujah, 
God's going to remain faithful to you. Even when you're not faithful, he's not going to punish you. You're just letting yourself get cut up. He's going to stay faithful to his covenant because he had to make it with himself. Now, do you want to walk in the fullness of the blessings of this covenant? Well, you'll, you'll be tested. You'll be tested. Not tested to uh, enter the covenant or be saved or join his team by faith in what Christ has done. But you want to continue to walk in the fullness of it? So, in a few more chapters you read, God tested Abraham. He said, okay, Abraham, I told you I'm going to bless your descendants and you're going to have a child of the promise. Okay? Well, Abraham believed, but yet after some years of some struggle and some hardships, he said, okay, God, I hadn't seen this happen yet, so I'm going to go the way of the knowledge of good and evil and try to make it happen my way. My wife got a good suggestion. She said, go into Hagar and have a child with her. You know, it doesn't say Abraham really fought with that idea for a while. He just yielded and said, okay. He had a child. He had a child against God's way of doing things. He said, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to have one from your own body, and your wife is going to give birth. And she's too far. She's, her womb is not even doing the way of women anymore. But God said it. Abraham believed it, but now he's struggling in his faith and decides to go his own way. Work out their own way. And so, hey, I'm going to, you know what, God? Instead of trusting you for your blessing you have for me supernaturally, I'm going to do works and try to make it happen my way. Every religion in the world is trying to get to God through their own works. And God said, no, I'm going to be a, it's going to be supernatural. You're going to come to me and be blessed by faith in what I have said, by faith in the word of God, by faith in Jesus Christ, not by your religious works. So Hagar had a, was a, you know, the son was the son of a slave. He said, no, no, it's not going to be a slave. You're not going to be slave to your religion, enslaved to your addiction, enslaved to your bondage. You've got to be set free supernaturally and believe it's supernatural. Believe it's come from me like Isaac coming from me. And so it's going to be the son of the promise. So now he says to Abram, take that son I gave you. And I want you, did you make a, did you enter into the covenant with me? Did you enter in the covenant where everything you have in your posterity and everything in your future and all, your, uh, every, all of your cattle and all of your wealth and all of your skills and everything belongs to me and everything I have belongs to you? Let's see. Take that son I gave you and bring him up the mountain and sacrifice him to me. And the covenant was tested. Abraham's faithfulness to it was tested and Abraham was willing he said, yes, if God was able to give me a son in my old age when my wife was pretty much done, if he was able to do this, then praise the Lord, I believe he can even raise him from the dead. So I'm going to follow through and trust you, God. So he bound him and brought him up the mountain, Mount Moriah. Praise the Lord. Some believe it's the same place where Jesus Christ, years later, 
died on the cross. Amen? So he begins to sacrifice his son, Isaac. And God says, okay, stop. I see that you're true to the covenant. And by the way, you don't have to do this because even that I'm going to do it for you. Years later in the future, you were willing to give your son, I'm going to give mine. And years later, he gave Jesus Christ, his only son. See, he provided a way. While the sacrifice is there, the, the ram was already up the other side of the mountain. And God provided the way, provided the answer. Hallelujah. You know, um, did I set my glasses down? Yeah, he has, a, he has a way and he tested the covenant. Folks, you've entered the covenant with God. You'll be tested in different ways, to be faithful with a little thing, to see if he can give you more. He's not testing you for, for him. He's going to be faithful to his covenant anyway. He's testing you for you to see how much of the blessing you can walk in. He wants to bless you more. But he's got to wait to see if you can handle what he's given you already to see if he can bless you more. He says, bring all the tithes to the storehouse. If I'm blessing you with everything, surely you can give me back 10%, as Abraham, who entered the covenant, did to Melchizedek. And I want to see this. I'm going to test you on this because I want you to test me on this and see if I don't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you cannot contain. But how, if you can't walk in these simple things, how can I show you the true riches of much deeper things in Christ and in the Word about your marriage, about your family, about your healing? if you can't even handle this one simple thing about something simple as money. Hello? That's just a side note. It's not in my notes. I'm just teaching on the covenant. Amen? Will you be tested in the covenant? I will give you something to do in my covenant and encourage you and give you the power and the strength and the knowledge to do it. Step forth and do it because I've got other things to do and this part's just a training. But I can't get you to where I want you to go if you won't continue the training. So I need you to pass this test so I can get, bring you to the next place. Pastor David, I, I've got plans for you in your future to take you in the promised land and to do things through you that you don't even know about yet. You're going to be teaching pastors and leaders in Africa and sending teams to India and all this. But I need you to go to Wisner every Thursday night and teach those kids for a solid year on Thursday and make a covenant with me and don't break it. I need you to do this part so I can get you to where I'm taking you. So I said, yes, sir, Lord, I'll go. Come sickness, come disease, come rain, come shine. Every Thursday night for a year I went. My seminary training. I'm going to give you 21 days of fast. I'm not asking you and demanding that this is how you fast or that's how you fast or what you do. But whatever you decide in your heart for 21 days, then keep it for 21 days. Keep the part you gave. Be faithful with the things you're making a vow to God. Be faithful with your marriages. Be faithful with your money. Be faithful in the little things, not for His sake. He's going to keep His covenant. He just wants to see how much more blessing He can get to you in your future because He's got plans for you. Hallelujah. His plans for you is health and strength. 
by the covenant he made with Jesus Christ. And he's continuing to strengthen your brain and your mind and your understanding. And it's going to overflow to your legs and your body. And you're going to be whole and healthy in Jesus' name. He has a covenant of health with you, Cecily, in Jesus' name. Whatever the enemy has done, whatever sickness and disease came with the fall is not part of the kingdom covenant. And we command it to leave. And we speak life and freedom to this body, to this mind. Continue to develop, continue to be strong in Jesus' name. Who will believe with me on the covenant of God? There's different ones fighting diseases, different ones fighting battles in here with their children, with their families, with their loved ones, with their cough, with their cold. In the name of Jesus, by the covenant you gave, Lord, we live in a fallen world. There's distractions, there's problems. The effects of the fall are still around us. But Lord, we have entered to a covenant with Jesus Christ. And you said, as you're part of the covenant, no plague will come upon us. And when the people of Israel left Egypt, there was not a sixth one among them. Two million people. No sickness, no disease. Not even, their shoes didn't wear out. Husbands, how many of you want to believe that for your wives? They won't have to buy shoes for the next 40 years. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm almost through. And we're going to go break our fast fellowship. Hallelujah. Amen. Can you see a little more clearly the blood covenant? Listen. He told Israel, so hey, I'm, I'm the strong tribe here, making it with the weaker tribe. And wherever you go in the world, if there's enemies that come against you, you're calling on the covenant, I'm going to fight for you. And wherever Israel went, he said, one will cause a thousand to flee, and two of you will cause 10,000. And that really happened. Some of God's covenant people, armies were coming against them. And they remembered the covenant and they understood it and they believed and they stood in a field against 300 men. One guy. That happened more than once. Why? They didn't, they had no, nothing in their right mind to think that I'm so bad I'm going to take 300 men. They believed in the covenant God that said one will cause 5,000 to flee. And, then, and they stood there and they defeated them all. Covenant people. Why is all of that in the Old Testament, those stories of Israel winning the battles? It wasn't for them. It's for us now. That's why the stories are there. So you can know, praise God, that you're a covenant person and have a covenant God. And I have made a covenant with God and my house shall be saved. I know, praise the Lord, my children and my children's children are all going to know the Lord and be in covenant, praise the Lord. Because, praise God, they have been circumcised in him on the eighth day. And I'm not talking about the doctor. I have dedicated them to him and I trust and believe he's going to keep his word. And you can take that to the bank for your children if you believe in this covenant I'm talking about now. Hallelujah. Father, your earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Lord, the glory is coming to your church as we grow in the knowledge of the truth of the word. 
if we grow in the knowledge of the truth of the word and meditate on it and believe it and start stepping out in faith in the knowledge of the truth, this glory is going to fill us and we're going to have, you know, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. No enemies will flee. Health and life will come to our children, our children's children. In the name of Jesus, Lord, increase now. Lord, let the glory flow. Lord, I'm praying for an increase in health in the families of the bodies right now. We know families that are struggling with different children. Lord, we agree together in covenant with you for healing in children, for healing in marriages, for healing for prosperity. Bless, Lord God. We are your covenant people, and we're exercising our faith, stepping into it in Jesus' name.